Jesus, to be with you right now and worship you, God, and how good you are to us. It's good to be here tonight, Lord. Because of your goodness, we are here. And, Lord, you've been so faithful. I just think back, Lord, on my life. And as we're singing, God, Lord, it's so true. And we know you will continue to be faithful, Lord. And so, God, be faithful tonight as we open your word. We ask that you'd bless, God. We ask for your Holy Spirit to speak and that we would hear, Lord, what you are saying to us, God. That you would give us a word, a special word to each one of us personally, Lord, throughout our time here. Even already, God, you've been speaking. And so, God, I ask for now that you would touch your word, speak to us clearly, Lord, and anoint this time in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you can grab your Bibles and open them up to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. We're going to continue our study here through the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 8. We've made it to chapter 8 now and slowly making our way through this chapter. I uh, wanted to show you some pictures. I came across um, some different planters for planting your seed. And first of all, there's the traditional pots for your plants. There's uh, you can see on the screen here, I mean, we all know that. Those are pretty nice ones, huh? I would like to have those. So, um, But so people have planted their plants in different kind of pots and stuff like this. But how about this? How about repurposing your old barbecue? Look at that one, huh? Yeah. Maybe I was talking about my barbecue. I'll bust up. Maybe I've got to do that. And I'll make a planter. Paint it and make a planter. Or, I like this, some people uh, found a creative way to use head sculptures. Head sculptures. Isn't that kind of cool? It looks like hair and everything, too. Well, some people get really wild, like um, they paint your old chair. Like, they've turned a chair into a planter. Or just use that extra bed frame you have lying around in the house, right? Oh, let's go lie in our garden inside there, yeah? Well, how about this? Rather than throwing out your old handbags, just use your purse. <laughs> I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. What else is in your closet? Oh, my shoes, my shoes, yeah. <laughs> so, hey, some ideas there. Or maybe this. What else is in your closet? How about your pants? How about, like, old blue jeans? I think that's weird. I don't know about you, but that's a little bit too far. I don't know. But hey, you can put them to good use. But lastly, I just think this is really wrong. Just use your old toilet, huh? <laughs> hey, I have an extra one if you guys want to do that. But I, 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 I always see some pictures like that. I can't imagine someone putting that in the front yard, huh? Isn't that nice, my toilet with the plants in it? I don't know. Well, no matter what kind of container you use, you got to make sure, though, that there's good soil in your pot, right? Well, tonight in our Bible study, Jesus gives the parable of the sower, which exposes really the condition of the soil of your heart. So I've titled our message, Sowing Seeds in the Soil of the Heart. A little bit long in our title here tonight, but sowing seeds, a long title, in the soil of the heart. We're going to pick up from verse 4 of Luke chapter 8 through verse 15, and we're going to focus in on this parable that Jesus gives. And basically we see two things in here, two sections, and number one is the interesting parable, and number two is the identifying conditions. So it's those two main headings we're going to have in our outline, and that's what we're going to group the, this passage into. So number one, though, as we look at sowing seeds in the soil of the heart, Number one in our outline is the interesting parable, the interesting parable. Now, in this first section, we're going to cover from verse 4 through 10. But first of all, let's just take a look at verse 4. Verse 4, and we'll read that. It says here, Luke 8, verse 4, And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said a parable. So we'll stop right there. We begin now with another occasion when the crowds had gathered around Jesus. He, he was preaching everywhere he went to the different cities and towns. And, and, and a lot of times, really, mostly, he's starting to go outdoors in the field because there's so many people coming. So this was one of those occasions the crowd now gathered around to heal 
to hear Jesus, right? And they came to be healed and all that that was going on too. But as they're gathered around here, Jesus now tells this parable. And we're going to get into this in a moment. In Matthew 13, Jesus actually called this parable the parable of the sower. Some people call it the parable of the soils because there's a focus more on the soils. But hey, Jesus called it parable of the sower, however you want to call it. But here's a parable that Jesus is giving. Now, the word parable is actually a transliteration. And that means it's a word in another language that has been kind of trans, transfer, transformed into use for the English word. So parable is actually from the Greek. And, and the Greek word is parabole, parabole, and it means to place beside. So parable, in other words, parables are, are putting the known next to the unknown. That's really the idea. So Jesus told parables, like the, we see it as stories, these analogies, to help us understand and get deeper into God's truth and his principles. That's really the main idea. Parables that you can say are a window into God, how he works, his kingdom, and the truth. It's like a little window opens up. And it's, it's using like everyday things, you know. And we're going to see this with the sower and the seeds and planting and all that. But that's what we see with the parables in the gospel. A lot of it's everyday things, cultural things, stories, you know, things like that, that help us relate to truths of God and his kingdom and principles and all. Parables, again, link the known, like what we know in this world, to, to, to the unknown. And a lot of times these parables, Jesus is really opening up like to, to what, what is um, known, like the, the things you know in the world, to unknown things about God and unknown things about that people didn't realize or understand back then. And even for us today, it helps us understand as we grow in the Lord. It's like using an earthly story to bring a heavenly lesson. So many times we learn lessons from this, and like tonight, we're going to do that. I like to think of parables as really bringing home God's truth. I mean, I like stories like any of you guys. Sometimes, you know, uh, well, we'll learn a principle or, or a doctrine. But, but when someone puts it into a story, it's like, oh, it like brings it home into your heart more better than just this head knowledge. It kind of brings it right down into your heart. And it helps you make sense of it and apply it into your life. So, so that's a parable. This is what Jesus is doing with this parable. So he goes on here now from verse 5 through 8. He says, here's this parable. So he's teaching this to the crowd. He says, a sower went out to sow a seed. And as he sowed, some fell among the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on a rock as it grew up. It withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell in, into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things, uh, as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. All right, so here's this parable that Jesus tells. And, he, and, and it's a parable about this sower, a farmer basically, right? And this farmer goes out to sow his seed. Now, uh, he didn't have a special machine or something, but he's planting his crop basically. Now, understand this would be very familiar to the people back then because they were surrounded by farms. It was kind of an aggregate agriculture kind of society and so they would know exactly and so this is the kind of the known the earthly that that jesus is bringing in this picture so everyone could relate and go okay yeah i, I get it so they they could picture this farmer like walking across his field and with his bag of seed maybe on with the shoulder strap and he takes his hand and he goes and flings it you know and all the furrows and rolls and stuff he's just going and just just fling it around. I, I, when I was thinking about that picture, I remember my, my dad who, 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 who did like, um, was a gardener and everything, and he would like, you know, throw seeds on the lawns to help, you know, germinate more grass, and he, he would just go, he'd be doing that. And I, I had that picture in my mind, so I picture, here's this farmer, this sower doing that, you know, just throwing all the seed. 
So here's the sower throwing the seed. He's sowing the, uh, his seed. And as he sowed, it says in verse 5, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Now we're going to see four types of ground that the seed falls on. And the first one uh, is along the path. The seed fell along the path. Now the path is where people walked. yeah. And so that ground was hard ground. It was compacted. I mean, think about like a dry, you know, dirt, you know, kind of thing. It's just baked on dirt where, you know, it's pretty hard and the seed would probably just bounce off of it and just lay there. It wouldn't penetrate underneath the surface of the soil. Then that's where people walk, so it's all compacted down. So you can imagine then they, the seed fa- that falls on there, they're, they're trampled underfoot. People just walk on it and the birds of the air, they come and, oh, easy pickings, yeah, some free food for the birds. So the first soil we see is the, the one that was along the path and I will call it hard ground. And then, Verse 6, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. So now the second type of soil or ground was on the rock, or we say today like rocky ground. In other words, this was like a hard rock kind of ground, and there's a thin layer of dirt or soil on top of it. So it, 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 it was not you know, deep enough to hold any moisture, any nutrients. The plant sprouted up, but it was this shallow ground, basically, in this rocky ground here. So, so it, it, the, the plant uh, grew up, but there was no moisture, so it pretty much just withered away. Then, in verse 7, some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. So, here's the third soil. Uh, it's a thorny soil, thorny ground. And in Israel, there's these weeds that are real prickly. You ever? We have some weeds like that too, huh? They're kind of prickly and all too. If you walk on the grass, like, ow, 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 you know, kind of thing. Or they stick to your socks and all. But this was the prickly kind of plant. And so the seed fell in that kind of ground with the, these prickly weeds and all, the thorny ground. And when, when the plant sprouted up from the seed, so did these prickly weeds. But... When it popped out, it says here, the thorns grew up with it and choked it. So it came up with it, but the, the prickly weeds, the thorns, took all the nutrients, took all the water, took everything. And so the, the original seed had just kind of just choked it out and it starved the wheat, basically. And then fourthly, the fourth ground we see in verse 8, and some fell into good soil, that's a great, good, rich, fertile soil, and grew and yielded a hundredfold. So it just multiplied this into this huge crop. And, and, and that was the good ground. And so here we see right here is the parable of the sower, the parable of the soil. So a simple parable. Um, um, just about this farmer and the different grounds, the different soil that the seeds fell into. Now, as soon as he did this, and, and I would say even throughout while he was telling this, it says, as he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And I can almost imagine him saying, hey, a sower, you know, went out, sowed a seed, and some fell on along the path and trampled birds of ear. He who has an ear, you know, uh, he who has an ear, let him hear. You know, and as he went through the, maybe the each soil kind of soil, and he's giving a call out here to say, hey, he who has an ear, let him hear. Well, don't we all have ears? What is he saying here? Well, what is he saying? He's saying that um, he who has ears that really want to understand, let him really listen and find out what this is about. That, that's what he's talking about here. Jesus challenged the people to not uh, let it just go in one ear and out the other, you know, and just kind of sit there and go, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever, nice, nice story. Last Sunday, if you guys are here, remember in Revelation 2, verse 7, Jesus said the same thing. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And actually, that phrase in the seven letters to the churches, he's going to say it seven times in chapter 2 and 3 of Revelation. So it's this constant thing that we're hearing from God, that Jesus challenging us, hey, if you're really wanting to understand, if you have an ear, you know, for what I'm saying, you know, let him hear. Let him understand it. 
So here again tonight, just like we did on Sunday, you know, hear this call of Jesus to really receive what he's trying to tell us tonight. And that's the important thing, that we have an open heart, that we're seeking to understand what's going on, that we want to receive, that we want to listen to Jesus and what he's teaching us, what he's showing us, how he's speaking into our hearts. That's what's important here. And we should have that kind of heart or that kind of ear yeah, that's listening for that, that is wanting to understand those things. So hear this call of Jesus, and it should spark our hearts, really. It should spark us to really putting attention to what the Spirit is showing us tonight. Now, I believe, you know, every time we open the Bible and when we're studying a passage, that, that God has a message to the church, to us, us believers. And tonight, we're in Luke 8, we happen to be here, in verses 4 through 15, we happen to be here. And tonight, there's this word for you and me that the Spirit wants to say. So we, we should be listening for that. We should put on our ears, so to speak, to try and understand and receive what Jesus is showing to us and wanting us to do and apply to our lives. So here's Jesus after the parable, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, look at verse 9 and 10 now. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now, this is a, a, a sort of a odd passage, you know, a couple of verses, and at first it's like, well, that's kind of weird. I mean, wouldn't you want everyone to understand? Would you, you want everyone to see, you know? Why is it a secret? Why are we using those words and like that, Jesus? Well, here's what's going on. So later, the disciples go to him and they ask Jesus, you know, when they're alone, they say, well, Jesus, you know, what, what does the parable mean? What does that mean? And in actuality, the disciples are responding to Jesus when he says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. In other words, they wanted to understand what's going on. They really wanted to know what, what's happening here. So, so Jesus explained first that, you know, why he spoke in parables. And to those, he said, basically, to those who really hear and who, who are asking and wanting to understand, that's what he's saying in, in verse 10. He says, to you, you guys who ask, who really want to understand, to you guys, it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. Now, the word secrets here is the same word translated elsewhere in the New Testament as mysteries. You know, Paul talks about the mystery of God or the mystery of, of the gospel. Or this is a mystery revealed. Uh, remember that word really means is something known to be uh, known now. So, for example, like in the Old Testament, a lot of the prophecies and the prophets themselves didn't fully understand the, what Jesus was actually going to do, what the Messiah was going to do. And so there's prophecies of Jesus dying, right, for our sins, rising again. There's prophecies of his second coming. And, and it's, it was sort of a mystery of how, well, how is this going to really happen? Well, as God raised the apostles up, and like the apostle Paul showed him what, what the truths and principles of God and what these prophecies were. The Lord, the Holy Spirit gave them all that. Well, that mystery, so to speak, was revealed. Today we use the word mystery more like, well, it's something we'll never know. Like, how do whales come back to Maui every year, you know, from Alaska? I don't know. Sonar, you know, I, I think it's God. But we don't know that. And one day we'll know that in heaven. But that's not what we're talking about. Like a mystery like we'll never know. When we're talking about secret here, that's the same idea. It's something that God knows but wants to make known. So that's why when the disciples came and said, Look, we have ears here. We want to understand. Jesus said, Hey, to you guys who are seeking this out, you know what? That these secrets of the kingdom of God, they're for you guys. They're for you to know. So those who really hear will be given that understanding. All right? You got that? So that's the secret here. Now, he does go on and, and say in verse 10, but for others, like the guys who don't have the ears to hear, who aren't really seeking to understand, he says they are in parables. So these truths, these principles of God, they're given in parables in this uh, known things to make it 
make the unknown known, you know, and, and, and the known things to relate it to God's truth. He gives it in this story, in these analogies, in these parables. So, Jesus says, that seeing they may see and hearing they may not understand. What, what is that? What, what, what does that mean? Well, well, to others who aren't really seeking it, it's going to seem like a mystery. It's going to seem like, well, what, what is this really about? Why is he telling this story about farmer going out? Yeah, the seed falls on this ground and that ground. Why, why is all of that, right? What's going on? Jesus is saying, well, for those, for the others who aren't really hearing, who aren't really seeking, well, I'm giving it to this kind of mysterious kind of parable. And then Jesus quotes Isaiah 6, 9. Seeing, uh, they may not see. In other words, like they see Jesus, but they're not really seeking Jesus for who he really is. They're there with Jesus, but they're not really after Jesus. And hearing, they may not understand. They hear the words of truth. Like imagine Jesus preaching. That's God speaking. They hear that, but they're not really hearing it because they're not really seeking it. That's really the idea. That's what Isaiah was saying back then with Israel. Oh yeah, they hear the word, they, they see this, but you know what, they're not really seeking God at that moment. It's like they're just sitting in church and thinking of other things. So Jesus is saying, I'm giving these guys these parables so that they may, may maybe it'll grab their attention. Maybe it might, they might go, wait, wait, what is this? You know, not, not so, you know, so it'll just pass by, but so they may grab their attention so, so that they'll wake up out of that, you know, seeing and not seeing and hearing and not hearing. That, that's what he's, he's saying here. That though they're just sitting there seeing, but not really seeing, hearing, but not really hearing. So Jesus is saying, well, I'm going to put this truth out, you know, in a way. For those who really want to seek it, they're going to go after it. Yeah? But the other guys, if they're not really wanting it, they're not, they're not going to want it. So seeing, they're not going to see it. And hearing, they're not going to see it. But he does it to try and grab their attention. Now understand what's going on here. So there's this huge crowd. He's giving this parable, right? Well, in the crowd, not everyone was there to find Jesus, to be with Jesus, right? A lot of them came, what? For the healing, right? They, they had a need. There nothing wrong with that. Jesus healed everybody who came. Nothing wrong with that. He was compassionate. He was reaching out to them in that way. So they would come for the healing, right? Uh, casting out of demons, uh, healing of sicknesses and, and all that. Some people came for that. Some people came, you know what, for the food. Remember Jesus was feeding, you know, uh, the 5,000, all those stories and everything. A lot of people came for the food because what? They were poor. They didn't have grocery stores. They needed food. And here, oh, Jesus is giving away food. This rabbi, I'm, I'm coming for that. So they weren't really here for Jesus. They were here for the food. Now, you remember in John, um, Jesus went um, on a boat to the other side of the lake, and the people woke up and go, where's Jesus? Where'd he go? And they, they saw him on the other side. So they all ran along the shore, came to Jesus. And Jesus said, you guys aren't here for me. You're here because I fed you. That's why you're here. I believe some of these people, this huge crowd that was there, you know what? They were there because of the miracles. Oh, that was exciting. It was entertaining, yeah? Oh, it, was, it moved you, yeah, emotionally. It was like, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, I'm going to see some more. But that was it. That's where it stopped. I mean, it was great Jesus healed, great Jesus did miracles, great did miracles in feeding people, but all of that should lead you to Jesus, not entertainment, right? There's other people that are checking Jesus out. Well, I don't know if I really follow him. Why? Because they're looking for a political Messiah that would take over the Romans. And, and, and that's all they're looking for. Many were looking for the Son of God, the Messiah, Right? The Savior. But some were just, oh, I want someone to save me from my, uh, 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 my lot in life. Yeah? I don't want to be under the Romans and all that. So there was many who were there in that crowd. They weren't really there purely to find Jesus. So you see, Jesus puts out the interesting parable. Right? Making it interesting enough to grab attention. Right? To, to draw people out. To those who are really seeking Jesus, they're going to go, oh, what is it? What does this mean? I, I want to hear from God. What is God trying to tell me? Yeah. 
To some of them who are maybe on the border, Jesus is trying to grab them and reach out to them. Hey, come, come on, seek this out. Come on, come on. And there, there was those who didn't care, right? They, they, they could think, oh, whatever story. Where's the food? Give me the food. I'm hungry now. Yeah. Oh, where's the entertainment? Yeah, where's the miracles and all that? But Jesus, being a masterful teacher, he was trying to draw everyone out. That's why he gave this interesting parable. Robert Gilbert, A. Robert Gilbert once said, The poor teacher makes the interested student less interested. The good teacher makes the interested student more interested. The superior teacher makes the uninterested student interested. I like that. And that's Jesus. That's what we see here. Jesus gave parables so the interested will be more interested and the uninterested will be interested. That, that was the whole thing. Yeah, That's what he was trying, trying to reach. You know, I was thinking about how, how we got to be careful yeah, of even our own hearts. Are we really here to seek Jesus? Or we can be so self-centered, I think, of why we come to church or why we listen to a Bible study or, or worship, whatever that is, right? I mean, we we got to be careful because sometimes in our own, ah, just, you know, we, we don't do or we don't seek God like we should. There are six words that surfers hate to hear. You should have been here yesterday, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, it's dead today. Oh, you should have been here. It was, it was the best waves of the swell, you know, all of that. And, um, and I understand sometimes we got to work. Sometimes we're busy with other important things. But sometimes we don't see God because we're lazy. Yeah. We just, ah, oh, I don't feel like going. Oh, it's, uh, lately I've been, oh, it's too cold to get in the water kind of thing. But our heart should be more than about ourselves. We should not be lazy in seeking God. We should be looking for what God is saying and not just letting it go in and out of our ears, right? So the challenge really with this in this first part is, are you really listening yeah, to Jesus? Do you really have those ears to hear? I heard a funny story. Pastor forgot his notes one Sunday morning, but he found his notes from the sermon the week before still on the podium. So he just preached the same sermon again the second Sunday. To his surprise, no one noticed, and even they complimented him. Like, oh, great sermon, Pastor. Oh, I, oh, I loved your message, you know. So as an experiment, the next Sunday, he preached the same sermon for the third time in a row. No one noticed it. They complimented again, except for one man who scratched his head and asked the pastor, did, did I hear that one before? <laughs> Pastor's like, oh, finally, someone is really listening. Can you imagine God saying that to us? Are you listening? I, I've been telling you this. Sometimes I think, you know, I wake up in the morning reading and, and like kind of sleepy. Ever do that? You're kind of sleepy and just, you're just, you're reading, but you're not really reading. <laughs> you're reading, but you're not really taking it in. And, and all of a sudden I'm like, wait, what? I'm at the end of the chapter and go, what? Well, what did I just read? And I got to go back and read it again. I think I should have just really paid attention. Now I got to take more time and re read it again. I'm sure God's like, hello, is anybody there? You know, are, are, you, are you really listening? You know, are you, are you really there? You know, sometimes too, think about this. Sometimes we, we come to passages here or maybe we're sitting in church and, and it is, it, maybe it's a little difficult to understand. And, and, and sometimes they're like, ah, uh, never mind. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't get it, you know. But you know what I think? I think God is challenging us. Like, are you really listening? Do you really want to know what this is, you know? Sometimes, yeah, it's simple, it's clear, but sometimes, I don't know, have you had those times where it's, oh, a little bit of a struggle? Like, whoa, what, what is he saying here? What? It's a secret? Why would God want to keep it a secret? What so so those who see would not see and those here what isn't that opposite of God's heart? Doesn't he want everyone to know? What I don't get it, you know. I think sometimes there's hard passages so that God would God would get us to really seek it out and, and dig for the truth and have the joy of finding that. Yeah. Sometimes we give up too easy, yeah. When things are hard, right? You know, oh I can't do this, oh forget it. I'm gonna pay someone to do it for me, you know. Lately, I've been just watching YouTube and go, oh, 
okay, let me try it, you know, right? I mean, there's a wealth of information, but I, I, I think sometimes we give up too soon when God's like, hey, do you really want me? Do you really want to know what I'm trying to say? I think it's a test and it's a challenge. So let's put on those ears to really hear what the Lord is saying. So, in sowing seeds in the soil of the heart, Jesus gives the interesting parable now. Let's go to number two now, the interpretation of this, the identifying conditions of the soil of the heart, basically. The identifying conditions, and that's the rest of our passage until verse 15. But first of all, look at verse 11 and 12. Jesus says now, so he explains, the parable is this. Here's the meaning. The seed is the word of God. The one along the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes, takes away the word from their heart, so that they may not believe and be saved. So here's Jesus. He's giving the interpretation, basically, the meaning of what this parable. Here's God giving us exactly what it means. And so basically we know the sower is like God, just like Jesus. The seed, he says, is the word of God that's being given out. And the soil is the heart, as we see in this first explanation of this first soil. So we're going to come here, as there's four different soils or grounds, we're going to come to four conditions of the soil of the heart. There's four different conditions of the heart where the seed of the word falls. So the four conditions of the soil of the heart. The first one, the first one is the hard heart. That's the one along the path that he's talking about here in verse 12. Remember, that's the hard ground. The one get trampled. The birds come, right? It doesn't penetrate into the soil. It just kind of bounces and uh, off the hard soil. It never takes root. So the word is, is like, like the seed that bounces off the hard soil and never take root. And then the bird, which is Jesus explaining, the, the devil comes, steals away the seed or the word so that a person won't believe and be saved and the word won't transform their life. So the seed of the word does not penetrate the hard soil of this kind of heart. Basically, what it is, what is it? Of this hard ground is the hard heart. The hard heart. You know, I was thinking about how, how Satan likes to come. The word goes out. God is trying to talk to us, right? We're not really listening. It hits our hard heart like we don't want to receive it. And so Satan comes and steals that word and runs away with it. And we forget what that was. That's Satan. That's what he wants to do. That's when we have a hard heart. When the kids were small, we were at SeaWorld in San Diego, and we were feeding the dolphins. You can feed them, pet the dolphins with some small fish, some anchovies, and you could buy a tray of, I don't know how many, four, three or four of them or something, and, and we tell them, hold, hold it really tight. Why? Because the seagulls come swoop down and they'll snatch it. Like if you hold it like that, over the, for the dolphin to come to you so you can pet them. The seagull will come and go, fly by and just grab them. And they'll even grab it out of your hand if you're holding the, the tray and the, the little anchovies really tight. It's crazy. And the kids would cry and, and I would cry too because I lost all the money I paid, you know, for nothing, right? But that's what's going on you know <laughs> satan wants to steal the word so we're not if we're not hearing we have a hard heart the, the seed of the word is going to bounce off so the best thing to do is soften your heart before the lord yeah soften your heart don't let satan steal that hosea ten twelve says sow for yourself righteousness reap steadfast love break up your fallow or hard ground for it is time to seek the lord that he may come and rain righteousness upon you so let's soften our hearts before the Lord when we hear the word and let the word penetrate into our hearts. Receive whatever the word is. Hard to understand or not. Or, or, or I know sometimes we think, oh, I heard that before. But you know what? Maybe God wants you to hear it again for a reason. So number one, we see the hard heart, the hard heart. Number two is the shallow heart, the shallow heart. Verse 13 now. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. So the next seed, remember, uh, landed on that rocky soil, the rocky ground with the, only a thin, you know, uh, layer of soil there underneath was rock. And so Jesus says, those that they hear the word, the seed falls on, on their heart. They receive it. They even receive it with joy. 
In other words, emotions like, yeah, oh, I love the Bible. Oh, I love what God is saying. Yeah, yeah. And they're emotionally, they're, they're excited about it. But the interest only lasts a little while. The roots can't go deep. There's no moisture, right, to, to feed it. And, and it's shallow. It's the shallow heart. So as soon as a time of testing comes, like trials and troubles, these fall away. They're not there anymore. And the plant doesn't grow. So the seed of the word is taken in emotionally, but that doesn't last in the shallow soil of, of this kind of heart, the shallow heart. C.H. Spurgeon said, religion that is born of mere excitement dies when the excitement is over. That's so true. Yeah, It's so true. Yeah, yeah I, I know that we, I've talked to pastors, you can make this emotional appeal for people to come to Christ and you, and you use a lot of emotion and everything. You know what usually happens? When emotion dies down, they're not with Jesus anymore. Oh, when problems arise or trouble, oh, forget it. And, and their emotions are just drawing them into that, right? They're run on emotions. Let's not have our hearts that shallow where we're just running on emotions, you know? When trouble comes, it's like, where's our faith? Yeah. We need to respond to that word, the seed, with commitment and faith. The co- we commit because it's a choice we make, not because we feel them, right? Because we make the choice, the decision to follow Jesus. You know, I, um, I, I love the, 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 this track uh, Billy Graham put out, um, uh, Four Spiritual Laws. And in the back, I, I, I always think about this when I'm challenging with my emotions. Is there was a train, and the locomotive was, it said, word on it, the word. And then the, the caboose, the coal, or the coal car, sorry, the second one, said faith in the caboose, the last uh, 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 car or, uh, you know, attached to the train said feeling. So it's word, faith, and feelings. And I love that because it's the word that's real, right? It's a word that's true. And we put faith in the word. And then our feelings come. But sometimes we drive the train backwards by feelings and then faith and then the word. But we should be putting the word first, and then faith in the word, and then feelings may or may not follow. But that's the way we are to run. A shallow heart runs a train backwards. If it doesn't feel right, trouble comes, oh, I'm down, then forget my faith, forget the word. Yeah. Oh, if I feel good, yeah, I'll put faith in that word over there. Yeah. But no, we want to go the other way. We want the train to go the right way. So we have the hard heart, the shallow heart, and now number three, the strangled heart. The strangled heart. And this is verse 14. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. So here's the seed, or the seed of the word that fell among the thorns. Right, it falls on the ground, but there's there's weeds in there too. And so there's wheat seeds, if you picture, and the and the thorn seeds there. And then when they everything sprouts up, there's the weeds there too, the thorny ground here. And here comes the wheat. So the wheat is growing; it's taking root; it's growing up there. It, it it's it's not shallow and all of that. It doesn't wither away at all, but it it grows up. But it's choked out by those prickly weeds. So Jesus is saying, you know that? Those seeds that fell among the, those thorns, those are the guys who, oh yeah, they hear, hear the word. They take that seed. It, it, it grows up, but it grows up with what? These thorns, and these thorns choke out the life out of this plant. And what, what do the thorns choke out? Well, they're, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. So cares really talks about like the, the troubles and worries of life, the, the stresses and worries of life. Riches is like the, the wealth, the material things of the world, right? That can, that can pull you away and, you know, you, you can get focused on your worries and that can pull you away and then also riches and money and material things. Pleasures of life, well, we know what that is. Yeah, what's pleasurable in life? What's fun, Yeah. Hobbies, uh, entertainment, video games, sports, you know, um, uh, you know, just the enjoyment of life, yeah? Oh, relaxing, vacations, going down beach, and those things can take the place of Jesus. 
take the place of the Word of God. And so, so that life in the Word and the life that comes from the Word gets choked out of its effectiveness. The Word gets choked out of its effectiveness. And so there's no fruit. This, this plant doesn't really grow. The fruit does not mature. There's no fruit. There's not a healthy plant going on there. Never uh, matures. Uh, and so you, you get this person who received the world, I mean the word, excuse me, the word, but the world and things in the world, that they're not like having a changed life from the word. That, 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 that's kind of the idea. Um, some, some people feel like, well, they never get saved, these people. Yeah. They're, they, they are just name only. They just name Jesus only. They profess Jesus, but they're not really saved inside because they don't have a changed life. They don't really grow. Some say, well, they are saved, but they stay a baby Christian all their life. So uh, depending on who you read and how you view this, you can study this on your own. But basically, um, the world and the cares, the riches, the pleasures of life just choke out the life of the Word of God in their life and they're not they don't really grow they're not transformed so the seed of the word is received but doesn't grow like it should being strangled by the weeds in the soil this kind of heart it's a strangled heart Um, a young man proposed to his girl by saying i want you to know that i love you more than anything else in the world i want to marry you i'm not rich i don't own a yacht or a bmw like john brown but I do love you with all my heart. The girl began to respond, but stopped for a moment, deep in thought. Then she said, well, well I, I do love you, but tell me more about John Brown. <laughs> Our heart can get divided yeah, in these things in the world. Don't let that choke your desire and the word, of, the life-changing word in your life. Don't let it choke, choke choke it out have you grown lately maybe things are choking you out are you still like a baby spiritually maybe there's these things that cares maybe there's cares in the world i know sometimes the cares of the world can overwhelm us you know the troubles and stretch stresses and it just chokes the word out of our life we don't have faith we have doubt and all we're thinking about is that and not the word and god is saying can you hear what i'm saying can you see the promises i have in the word I'm with you. I'll take care of you. We need to get to the Word and, and pull out these weeds. Yeah? Clear the ground. Yeah? And, and let the Word grow in our hearts. All right. So we see the hard heart, the shallow heart, the strangled heart. And now finally, the good heart. The good heart. Verse 15. Last verse. As for, um, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the Word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So we finally come to the good soil, the good ground. And so this is where the seed actually takes root. The root goes deep, sprouts up, and grows healthy and strong. So the Word of God takes root and transforms this individual. And so Jesus explains here in verse 15, these are the people basically who, hearing the Word, hold it fast. Hold it fast. In other words, they, they keep to the word in the sense of they're obeying the word. They respond to the word. They, they apply the word in their lives. They, they keep it in their life. So they hold it fast. And hold it fast in an honest and good heart. That means they're sincere about it. They're real and, and they really love the word. They're listening. They're the ones who really hear what the Lord is really saying. And they, they take it all in sincerely thereafter. They're really wanting to understand and hear. And he says here, and good heart. So basically good soil, excellent heart. They really embrace Jesus and it's truly the word implanted in their heart. And I like this last thing. And well, Two things, and bear fruit, first of all, that there's spiritual fruit that comes out. A changed life, a godly life, a love for Jesus. That's fruit, right? I mean, we could talk about the fruits of the Spirit and and things like that that are coming out, developing in their life. And uh, uh, 
understand, right, fruit just, just doesn't happen. We grow into it, right? Fruit grows in that. So we receive the word, and we may not be changed right away, but we're going to grow. But there's evidence, there's fruit that the word is in our life, our, our changed life, and the fruit that's coming out. And, and I'll tell you, you know Jesus is in someone's life. You know that they're in the word when you see godly life coming up, a uh, godly lifestyle, uh, a, a transformed, changed life happening from before. You know that the Word is taking effect in their lives. And I'm sure all of you can say, yeah, you know, when I really started getting into the Word, my life changed. Yeah, When Jesus came in and I started going to church and studying the Bible and learning the Bible, my life changed. There was fruit. So that's what Jesus is talking about with this good heart, with the good ground. And lastly, he says, um, bear, and bear fruit with patience. Patience means endurance. And, and in other words, they continue on. They endure. They're steadfast. They're, they, they don't just last, you know, only temporarily until the joy comes and trouble comes. They don't leave, you know, their faith in Jesus because of the cares of the world or the riches and pleasures of life. no. They endure all these things, the temptations, the, the stresses and worries, the, the things pulling on them, the worldly things. And, and they're, they're not just running on feelings, but they're committed and they live this consistent life. So the seed of the word is received and the roots go deep in this good heart and life grows strong, bearing lasting fruit. That's a good way to put it, lasting fruit in the soil of that kind of that's the good soil. And that's the soil I want to have. Yeah, That's the soil I see in all of you here. Hopefully you guys connected online. That, that this, we, we should search our heart really to see where, where's, what's our soil like. Test your soil. Yeah, you know, you know, like you can test it with the, the pH balance and phosphates and things like that. Test your soil in the way, soil in the way Jesus gave this parable. Where do you fall into this? Yeah? Sometimes, yeah, the cares of the world, the riches, yeah, that can distract me. But no, Lord, I want the good soil. I want to embrace you, your word. I want to obey. I want your word to be in my life. I want to keep it. I want it to change me. I want fruit to come out. I want me to mature and grow. That's what I want. I read about um, a Clyde Thompson, and he was known as the meanest man in, t in the Texas prison system. Two-time murder by age 17. Youngest man in Texas to be given the death sentence. Um, and he's, he himself said he's responsible for eight deaths in total. He murdered eight guys. Twice he was sentenced to die. Twice he was, it was rescinded. And Clyde, actually during this time, made three attempts to escape, and he killed two inmates in prison also. Well, when he was confined to solitary confinement, a guard gave Clyde, happened to give him a Bible to read. Some had told him in the past that the Bible was full of contradictions. So you know what? He goes, I'm going to find it. <laughs> so he opened the book to, to disprove it. Even with the fourth grade education, Clyde went to studying and trying to disprove the Bible. But you, you, you can guess what happened. The more he studied, the more he read, the more he got into the Bible, the more it convinced him it was the book of truth and God spoke to him. It opened his heart up to Jesus and he received Jesus. He writes, when I came to realize that this was actually the word of God and the only hope for man in this world, I repented on my knees day and night for months and gave my life to Jesus. The seed of the word fell on good soil, the good soil of his heart. He began to share with other inmates, leading them to Christ. Um, his first converts were three men all at the same time um, wanting Jesus, like they're right for that. He, he will, even was able to lead a, another man who was on death row. After 28 years, miracle happened. Clyde Thompson was released from prison. He got married and spent the rest of his life ministering to prisoners. He died in July 1979 of a heart attack. But in this story I read, the amazing thing is a multiple, multiple murder made it to heaven. Because of the word of God fell on the good soil of the heart. That's what happens to the seed of the word when it gets planted. 
So plant that word deep into your heart. I'll close with this. It's a poem called The Sower. It's by a James G. Arcus. Uh, it was in a Moodly Monthly uh, magazine. But it goes like this. A sower one day went forth to sow. His seed was the word of light. The field that he sowed was the world of men where the briars of sin grow rife. What seed by the wayside chanced to fall, the birds of the air devoured, and that which fell in the barren soil in the heat of the day expired. Mid thorns and tares some grew for a time, though weakened and warped and lean, but harvest time found them withered and dead, for fruitless their growing had been. But the seed that fell in the fertile soil bore a fruit some a hundredfold, and the heart of the master sang for joy, he garnered his sheaves of gold. In your heart, my friend, the seed is sown. Oh, what will the harvest be? A blackened field at the harvest time or the joys of eternity? Oh, think, dear friend, of the harvest time. It may be tonight for you. Will you yield your heart to the Master's call? The Savior is speaking to you. I love it, guys. I love it. Let's search our heart. Let's have ears to hear what God is saying, what Jesus is saying. And then we'll see. When we take the word, sowing the seed in the soil of your heart, it'll grow. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word tonight, God, and thank you for this parable. God, it does go deep into us, Lord, and we're convicted, God, of even all the soils, Lord. There's a part of us, part of those different soils in our hearts tonight. There's not just good soil, but Lord, there's, there's a rocky ones. There's a hard heart, Lord. There's, there's a thorny ground too, Lord. And God, help us to plow the ground up. Help us to make it soft before you. Help us to pull the thorns and weeds out, Lord. Help us, God, to remove all the rocks. And God, may all of our heart, every part of it, become good soil, good ground, God, for your word to grow in. And Lord, we receive your word tonight. And we want to hear God and understand and seek you in these things. That's why we're here. That's why we're connected, God. And we, 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 we want that so much, Lord. So we ask, God, that your word that we just heard would transform us, would change us, would wash us clean and make us into the people of God you want us to be. So Jesus, here we are, Lord. Let us come to you right now. And thank you, God, for never, never giving us, give, never giving up on us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's.